Well, today I'm going to continue our Christmas series called Twas the Night Before Christmas. And I don't know about all of you, but it seems like Christmas this year just kind of sneaked up on me. Anybody else? I mean, didn't we just have Thanksgiving dinner in here? And didn't we just have the women's major Christmas dessert in here? And then Christmas is almost here. Just kind of sneaked up on me. And even though the decorations and the toys start appearing in, in, in stores in October, and even though the news warns us almost daily, shoppers, you only have so many more days to shop until Christmas is here. Even with all of that, it seems like all of a sudden, Christmas is almost here. Now, I know that the indicators that Christmas is near are everywhere, all the time, and it seems like there's no chance that anyone could ever miss it, even if they wanted to. But the sad truth is, is that many people do really actually miss Christmas. Yes, they're going to gather with their friends and their family. They're going to give gifts on Christmas Day. But many still miss the magnitude and the wonder of Christmas and what it's all about. This Christmas, many will not experience the true wonder or the true gift that Christmas really brings. But this Christmas, I don't want you to be one who misses the wonder and the gift of Christmas. Now, in this series, we've been focusing on what's been happening in various parts of the world on the night just before Christmas. And we've looked at what was happening in Bethlehem. They, they were busy. We, we looked at what was happening in Jerusalem the night before Christmas. But today, I want us to take a look at what was happening in Rome the night before Christ was born. Now, lots of us, the night before Christmas is very, very special. Christmas Eve is a very, very special time. It's a night when most of us begin to slow down and take a breath after so much preparation. It's a night to join our church family to, to worship God who came to earth as a baby to become the ultimate sacrifice to pay for our sins on the cross. It's a night to carry on family traditions. And I don't know what your family traditions are on Christmas Eve, but ours is very simple. Uh, we have what we call soup and swim at our house. And, and so we have Midwest potato soup, and we get all filled up, and I heat up the pool for 24 hours. It takes 24 hours to get it up to 98 to 100 degrees. And we just float and soak, you know, for a couple hours and just relax and have a good time. The rain may stop me from doing that for the first time this year if the rain comes like they're predicting. But soup and swim, that's, that's what we do. And then we share maybe one present uh, to get the kids all excited about the coming day. It's a night to anticipate the family celebrations to come and the present surprises that you put underneath the tree. But the night before the first Christmas was nothing like any of that. Take a look what the Bible says, Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, 
in the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, the night before the very first Christmas, first of all, this scripture tells us, was a night of travel. I mean, by the decree of Caesar Augustus, everybody had to get back to his or her own hometown to register for the census. It was a night of travel. The night before the first Christmas was a time of overcrowding and discomfort. Every inn in Bethlehem was full. And so pregnant Mary and Joseph had to stay in a barn. Not too comfortable for a nine-month pregnant mom. Amen, moms? All right? The very first Christmas night was a time of pain as Mary gave birth to God the Son in a barn in Bethlehem. No nurses, no IV, no spinal block. Women, not a good time, right? Not a good time. And so it was a night of travel, a night of overcrowding, a night of discomfort, it was a night of pain, especially for Mary. The night before the first Christmas was nothing what you and I have grown up with. And those living in Rome that night were completely unaware that anything was happening special in that little town of Bethlehem. In fact, that anything needed to happen. You see, Rome was the largest city of that day. It was the most powerful city of that day. It was the seat of all authority of that day. Rome's military controlled the known world at that time. Rome's Caesar Augustus was the undisputed ruler of that time. Rome's wealth, its art, its architecture could not be matched at that time. Rome was known as the greatest empire of all time. And it was the kind of place that any public relations firm would say, if God was ever going to leave heaven and come to earth, he ought to locate himself in Rome. Because Rome is the place to be. I mean, the gospel could get a foothold there. The gospel could flourish there. Rome is the place to be. But God the Father had a different place in mind for the birth of God the Son, Jesus Christ. And on the night before Jesus, who is God in the flesh, before he was born in Bethlehem, what do you think the people in Rome were thinking about God? The answer is probably nothing. For most of them, God wasn't even on their radar. They weren't focused on God at all. On the night before the first Christmas, Rome was unaware that anything was happening or needed to happen. They were unaware of who was leaving heaven and taking up residency on earth. They were unaware because three of their major beliefs kept them focused on everything but God. And often we're tempted to believe and do the very same things. Here's the first thing they believed. Write this down. Rome believed in looking inward, not outward or upward. 
On the night before Christmas, Rome was at the height of its power. Rome didn't need to look outside its walls for anything. It had everything it needed inside its own walls. Rome already had a strong leader. In fact, Augustus was at the very height of his power. The Roman Empire was subject to him. The Senate was loyal to him. And he had supreme power over the entire Roman world. In fact, most thought that he rules the world. Literally. They thought that he ruled the world. Because all authority and power seemed to be inside the walls of Rome. In his hands. But the Bible says this. But you, Bethlehem, small little town that you are, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you, not Rome, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now, some in Rome may have known about this prediction of a coming ruler from the Old Testament book of Micah. But why would they care about some prediction of a coming ruler of the Jews, the Romans? Besides, what could a new ruler do for them or offer them that they didn't already have? I mean, they were rich. They had everything. They had money. They had culture. They had recreation. They had the best foods. They had the power. Rome had it all. In fact, they were so consumed with themselves always looking inwardly at themselves and how great they were, that they were completely unaware that anything was happening or anything needed to happen in their lives. They believed they had what they needed. But listen, those in Rome and that night before Christmas are not the only ones who get consumed with themselves as Christmas nears. They're not the only ones who can be unaware that they need something outside of themselves, greater than themselves. And if we're not careful, we can be the same way. We can be consumed just with ourselves and the stuff inside our own walls of our home. We can find ourselves content with our own little empire, who we are, what we have, thinking we don't need anything else when we really do need something else and somebody else. Amen? We can find ourselves content. And yet in this age of social media, so many people are living for likes when deep inside they're longing for love. We're distracted people looking downward and inward instead of outward and upward. In this age of social media, people are often looking for in the wrong direction, distracted by so many things. Once again, We're looking downward and inward instead of outward and upward. But listen close, like the Romans, we can fall into distracted living. We can fall into self-consumed living, focusing only on what we have in our own hands. But listen, when you think of what you already have, and when you think you have everything you need, when you think you already have a ruler worth following, when you think you're already happy, it's really easy to miss the coming of God the Son to earth. And Rome missed it. And I realize 
And I know that most of us know the Christmas story, some of us by heart. But are we aware of what it means to accept and follow the new king who was born in Bethlehem? Are, are we aware of what it means to look up to him instead of only at ourselves? The question is, are you ready to receive him as our king, as our ultimate authority, as our ruler, as our savior? Or, or are we so caught up in having everything we think we need that we don't have a place or a space for him in our lives? Rome believed in just looking inward, not outward, not upward. And it believed, write this down, it had everything it needed. We got it wired, they thought. It's hard to imagine what the power and the self-sufficiency of the Roman Empire was like. But once again, they had the most advanced culture of their day. They had the most money. They had the biggest military. They had the newest trends. They had the greatest leader. What else could they possibly need? Folks, Rome had the best and the most. Rome worked hard to be the best. Rome worked hard to design and build the best. In fact, historians say that Caesar Augustus said at his deathbed, I found Rome brick, but I leave it marble. He was proud of his inward accomplishments. Rome and its leader had it all and yet strived to make it all even better for themselves inside the walls of Rome. Now, I, I really respect working hard and using the skills and talents that God has given us to make a difference in our world. And I really love it when I, I see someone who's working hard using their skills and talents to share the message of Jesus Christ with others. But always, we need to remember where those skills and talents came from. The Bible says this, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Listen, you didn't make yourself. God knit you together in your mother's womb. And no matter what you've done, you've not done it yourself. You've done it with the perfect gifts that came down from the heavenly Father above into your heart and life and body. You may think that you have all that you need this Christmas, but you don't if you don't have Jesus, who is God's perfect gift coming down from the Father. If you don't have Him as ruler and Savior in your life, you can have the best of the best gift under the tree, but if you don't have Jesus in your life, you don't have the greatest gift of all. Amen? Amen. You just don't. The Bible says this, for unto you, and often we just go right past that word you. But take it in, unto you, and you, and you, and you. Is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And he's Christ, the Lord. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace. Amen, church? Rome believed in looking just inward, not outward or upward. Rome believed it had everything it needed. They didn't need anything else. And third, Rome believed that power was stronger than love. From Rome's perspective, what could be more powerful than its own army? Conquered the known world at that time. From Rome's perspective, what could be weaker than a defenseless, helpless little baby in a barn in Bethlehem? But God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. So God, out of his heart of love for us, sent us someone who loves us more than anyone else ever could. And one who's more powerful than anything else. And his name is Jesus, God the Son, born in the flesh. And the Bible says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, here it is, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rome was unaware that God's love was stronger than their power. His love to send a Savior, His love to forgive sins, His love to give a gift of eternal life in heaven. Rome was unaware that God's love was the only power that could forgive them and give life to them. Rome was unaware that God's powerful love for them was coming to them in a form of a baby. Rome was unaware that their greatest need was for a loving spiritual king, a loving spiritual ruler. And what Jesus, the God of love, did on the cross later in his life makes forgiveness of our sins and life with him in heaven possible. Because throughout the Bible, we hear that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus knew that. And still, he came to earth knowing that he would be the perfect sacrifice to pay for all the crud that you and I have done. And yet, knowing the sacrifice he'd have to make Love, his love for you and me drove him to come to us. The Bible says this, before Christ came, we were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world, sinful principles. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, the law that we could never keep. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law that we couldn't keep so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Folks, God came to earth. And even though Rome was unaware of what was happening that night before Christmas, God was very much aware of their needs and our needs. So God sent his son. He put that plan in motion by sending God the Son in the form of a baby in a remote, powerless town called Bethlehem to one day die on a cross once for all. Amen? Amen. Once for all to pay for the sins of the entire world. God the Father knew exactly what he was doing when he sent Jesus, God the Son, into our world. God the Father sent God the Son Jesus Christ, King of kings, 
Lord of Lords, Savior of the world, into the Roman world as what seemed to be nothing more than a powerless baby. A powerless baby. But you and I, we know the rest of the story. Amen? We know the rest of the story. He's King of Kings. Lord of Lords, amen? Almighty God. That's who he is. Rome believed in looking just inward, thinking it had everything it needed, that their power was stronger than any kind of love, but then God's love changed things up. You and I need to look outward and upward for the help we really need. You and I need to humble ourselves And realize that our greatest need is God the Son, Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Amen? Amen. Nothing else. You and I need to accept the love of God and love Him first and love Him most. First and most. Because He is the power that we need. The question is, are you aware or unaware that your greatest need is to believe in Jesus Christ and to place your trust in him to forgive your sins and for you to confess that he's your Savior and your Lord. Are you aware of that or are you unaware? I hope you do. I hope you have done that. But if you've not yet done that, you can do that today. You you can receive the greatest Christmas gift ever, the gift of forgiveness and the gift of life in heaven after you die with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and all of us who placed our belief and trust in him for all eternity. And church said, amen. That's the truth of Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me? If you've not yet placed your trust in Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've not asked him to be your Savior and Lord, would you pray this prayer after me in your heart? And he will come into your life. He'll forgive your sins. And should you walk out of here and not have life after this day, you will spend eternity in heaven with him. Would you pray, Father, thank you for the depth of your love for me. Today I've become aware of my great need of forgiveness and my need of a relationship with the only one who can save me from the penalty I deserve for my sins. And that's Jesus Christ. So I confess my sins to you and I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask that you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And best that I know how, I will follow you. Father, I pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus, God the Son, who was born in Bethlehem. Father, I thank you that each one who prayed that prayer 
can now face life and even death as it comes without any fear whatsoever, knowing that you're preparing a place for them in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your great gift to us this Christmas. In your name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.